Welcome to The Money Hour with host Tina Mitchell and co-host Keelan Harvey. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, and Keelan Harvey, MLO 133075, are licensed loan originators with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, and MLS 7233. The views expressed by the speakers on the following program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC. Now, in the studio, local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. Well, welcome back to the Money Hour on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, September 7th show. I am your host, Tina Mitchell. And I'm your co-host, Keelan Harvey. And you're a local mortgage expert, bringing in expert advice and inside knowledge on today's events and our local economy and how it can affect your money. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. To connect with the guests that we have on the show today, you can call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyhour.com. And our lineup for today's show, we have Randy Banneker of Banneker Public Affairs, Clear Path Partners. What's happening in state and local government that matters to homeowners, home buyers, and home sellers? Also in studio, we have Dee Gupta of D Coaching, coaching yourself when thinking defensively. And our last guest in studio, we have Lisa York of Eagle Strategies of New York Life, retirement strategies in a volatile market. Great information and great guest in studio today for more information or questions for our guests, you can please call the show at one 855 Again, that's one 855 or online at themoneyhour.com. Let's start at the show today with a little money chat. Money. Money. So, Keelan, what do you got for money chat today? You know, I was going to do more of a 30,000-foot view of rates. There's a lot of talk about uh-huh. interest rates right now. Um, and it reminded me of reading an article today. Um, you know, the, the Fed, just generally speaking, this year, were like, it's going to go up six times. Yeah. And then it was going to go up three times. And then... And then we talk about all the previous years, every single year before, same thing. Right. And everybody's looking for this historical thing. We've been in this crazy bull market, so they're waiting for mm-hmm. the correction, all this stuff. And um, it's been pretty interesting because nobody predicted this whole tariff thing. It's always a one-off, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And the experts, you know, as much as we read upon all the experts and point of views, you, it's nobody's got a crystal ball at the end of the day. Nope. So it's, it's been pretty interesting. We saw with the tariff negotiations as the, you know, rates went up just a tad bit today. Mm-hmm. And then the Fed meeting, uh, middle of September here, they're talking about going down a quarter a point and just kind of letting people know that that doesn't necessarily mean that rates are going to go down significantly because the banks already kind of build in a buffer mm-hmm. uh, so it you know it might be just a blip on the radar and uh, there's possible talk about rates going down but another flip side of that too is the tariffs with China we're gonna get some talks here and you know I don't have a crystal ball but it makes me wonder if they figure out this tariffs things could rates go back up so mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to necessarily say a call of action, but a bird in hand well, is definitely, better. Definitely a call of action. I mean, I always say if it makes sense for you to do something, do something now. Don't I wait. Agree. I agree. You know, take advantage. And whether they go down a little bit more, a quarter percent lower in interest rates is, 
you know, maybe less than a hundred bucks a month in the mortgage payment. Now, if you had a guarantee, but what if you missed out on that? So totally, a yeah. bird in hand is better than two in the bush all yes. day. And rates are fantastic right yeah. now. And even if they were to reach historical lows, we're not talking a crazy improvement from where we are now, unless nope. it was something just because we are like inches away from historical low. Right. Yeah. So I mean, definitely call me, call Tina, figure out where call you're at. Call the show, figure mm-hmm. out where you're at at least. Right. I mean, I can't tell you how many customers I have clients that I love that we're saving them hundreds of dollars right now. And that equates to a lot of money down the road. And the streamlined programs are fantastic. I mean, there's a way you can get lender credit and it doesn't even add to your principal. So it's just literally like a a flip of the switch with an FHA, Um, you know, streamlined, boom, uh, VA, the same way we love our veterans. Mm -hmm. Same type of deal. You get a lender credit. It covers all the costs. Your principal stays the same and bam, you have a new rate and a new low payment and no harm, no foul. You're sitting prettier than you were before. So. Uh, keep your eye on the ball, folks. Stuff is happening. It is definitely happening. Lots of things you can do with that. You can buy investment properties by taking some cash out. You can pay off debts that's costing you more money. You can do improvements on the home, which is going to improve the value of your home. Lots of things that you can do and looking at uh, taking and utilizing some of that equity. So great news for the industry and consumers looking to get into affordable housing. Washington, in an effort to promote affordable and sustainable homeownership, especially among creditworthy first-time buyers, the Federal Housing Authority, FHA, published a long-await final regulation and policy implementation guidance, which established a new condominium approval process. Designed to be flexible and responsive to market conditions, FHA's new condo rule and the new condominium project approval provide a comprehensive revision to FHA condominium approval policy. In particular, the new policy will allow certain individual condominium units to be eligible for FHA mortgage insurance, even if the condominium project is not FHA approved. Now, the policy begins effective October 15th. So this is going back to what we always used to be able to do, which was an FHA streamline. So again, there are very few condos in our market that are FHA approved. Right now, before October 15th, the entire condo had to be approved for FHA financing. Now they're bringing in back the spot approval or a single unit within that complex can now qualify. So the uh, HUD Acting Deputy Secretary of FHA Commission, Brian Montgomery, added, today we, will, we are making certain FHA response to what the market is telling us. This new rule allows FHA to meet its core mission to support eligible borrowers who are ready for homeownership and are most likely to enter the market with the purchase of a condominium. Now, the vast majority, 84% of FHA-insured condo buyers have never owned a home before. While there are more than 150,000 condominium projects in the U.S., only 6.5% are approved to participate in FHA mortgage insurance programs. As a result of FHA new policy, it is established that 20,000 to 60,000 condominium units could become eligible for FHA insured financing annually. So as an individual unit may be eligible for the sing- what they're calling a single unit approval under the following conditions. The individual condominium unit is located in a project that is not approved.
approved. So you're not going to do a spot approval if there's already an FHA approval on that condo, obviously. For condominium projects with 10 or more units, no more than 10% of the individual condo units can be FHA insured. And projects with fewer than 10 units may have no more than two FHA insured units. Uh, Minimum owner occupants requirement, which makes sense. FHA will require that the approved condo project have a minimum of 50% of the units occupied by borrowers for most of the projects. FHA will only insure up to 50% of the total number of the units in an approved condo project. Now, commercial or non-residential space is limited as well. FHA will require that the commercial non-residential space within an approved condo project not exceed 35% of the project for the total floor area. So overall, it's great news. They want to make sure that they're not putting an FHA buyer in risk by buying into a condo that might be at risk of default because things come in to that complex. Um, but it's really great news, especially for the affordable housing in our local market uh, to get into the condo market. So that's your money chat. And coming up next on the money are what's happening in state, local and government that matters to homeowners, home buyers and home sellers. Randy Banneker of Banneker Public Affairs, ClearPath Partners, right here at 1150 AM KKNW after the short break. Are you worried about your retirement and how the volatile market can impact you when you can retire? Lisa York with Eagle Strategies Wealth Management and New York Life has assisted individuals and families just like yourself in reaching their financial and retirement goals. Navigating the financial markets can be cumbersome and overwhelming. Lisa's approach in helping her clients is to educate, engage, and empower. Lisa York assists individuals just like yourself. Results driven, she goes that extra mile to make sure your goals are met. When the market is down, she will be right there with you to address any concerns and reevaluate your goals. Witnessing her clients go through the milestones of their lives and knowing she was there to listen, help, and adapt to their needs is one of the biggest rewards for her and the reason she loves what she does. Hi, this is Lisa York. To receive a complimentary financial review, call me at 206-799-8571. Visit my website at lisayouk.com. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, and co-host, Keelan Harvey, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. Well, welcome back to The Money Hour on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, September 7th show. I am your host, Tina Mitchell. And I'm your co-host, Keelan Harvey. Your local mortgage experts. It is a great day to talk about money. That's what the show is all about, how to make money, how to save money so you can have a better quality of life for you and your family. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. We're here to connect you with the guests that we have on the show. Please call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's one 855 or online at themoneyr.com. In studio right now, we have Randy Banneker of Banneker Public Affairs, Clear Path Partners. What's happening in state and local government that matters to homeowners, home buyers, and home sellers? Randy, it's always a pleasure to have you here. And as I was saying before we stepped into studio, I'm just always excited uh, to hear what you're going to bring into studio because it's always uh, 
right at this moment information that we need to know about. So thank you so much for coming back in studio. Oh, thanks, Tina. It's great to see you. And a little bit about about Randy. Randy is president of Banneker Public Affairs and the founding partner of ClearPath Partners. Randy has been engaged in our region's critical issues for more than 20 years. He has extensive experience advocating complex, high visible, and controversial land use and public policy initiatives. He protects his clients' image, while achieving political successes. So, Randy, you're engaged in public affairs and government relations work in our region, and you're representing groups like the Seattle King County Realtors and other organizations and businesses trying to do something with government or have government not do something to them. What major issues are you seeing right now? You know, it's, it won't come as a surprise to, to, to you guys since you're in the business, but housing affordability, housing supply is absolutely enormous in Mm -hmm. terms of what uh, government, state government, local governments are trying to lean into. And and the reason is that the forecast, our our population forecast for the next 30 years or so has the central Puget Sound region growing by 1.8 million people. Wow. Um, That's crazy. Over that 30-year period. And that, if if you do the math based on our current population per household, that is... 830,000 households, give or take. So just picture that in Central Puget Sound in King, Pierce, Nahomish, Kitsap, um, putting those units in over the next 30 years, accommodating those folks. Um, What it means is that we're really digging into new uh, housing supply strategies. Um, You mentioned the the FHA condo work, which is critical. We're going to need to see a lot more condo applications, multifamily. Um, There's a lot of talk about uh, accessory dwelling units or mother-in-law apartments yep. mm-hmm. uh, going into existing neighborhoods and then certainly some duplex, triplex stuff as well. Yeah, so definitely the the shortage of housing is still there. And then you add the shortage of affordable housing. So, Randy, the state legislature took on housing issues this past session. What got passed, Randy? Well, they did a lot of work on housing. Um, they also did a lot of work on, on revenue and, and new taxes. But I, I, I want to focus on two things that are that are really important for our conversation today. One was uh, House Bill 1923, and it started as a list of mandates that cities would have to do to increase housing supply mm-hmm. in their jurisdiction. Over the course of the legislative session, it transitioned to incentives. Um, and there's some good opportunities there for uh, for new supply and, and for cities. And then secondly, and again, in companion to the FHA's work, mm-hmm. uh, we got some important legislation on condominium liability reform. That's exciting. It sounds like condo is the quickest path to getting rid of this, like it's a density issue, right? And the quickest conversion to address some of that affordable housing. Um, did the condo bill go far enough? Well, we'll see is the quick answer, but I'll, I'll tick off some of the important things that they did accomplish in the bill. Before saying that, though, I mean, and again, as, as you know, we're looking to condominiums as um, a critical piece in entry level ownership yeah. mm-hmm. um, and also for the for for middle income folks. Um, condos are a way to build equity in a multifamily setting. They're mm-hmm. going to be a little more affordable than the single-family detached house, and they are just a fabulous way to start. They're also a fabulous opportunity for empty nesters who want to get rid of yes. the big house and and yet still stay in the in the community. But what the what the bill did was it 
establish some protection for members of the um, homeowner association boards mm-hmm. that had been threatened with litigation. And and uh, I can go into that later if you want. But um, what's gone is this strict liability for condo construction. So uh, we, we replaced it with a notion that uh, as long as you are conforming to professional construction standards, you aren't liable to get sued. That's the the builder. Every project was getting sued for the past 10 years or so. So we think that that this conversion, it still says that it still protects the consumer. If there's a problem, if there's a a material effect that that affects habitability of Mm -hmm. of the building or of the specific unit, there are recourses. There are ways to cure that problem. There are ways to to fix that. But just this um, notion of of suing for the fun of it um, uh, is gone. And what I think that will do is bring investors, bring developers into the market to Mm -hmm. build more of these projects. No doubt, Randy, that this is going to make a a huge impact. Um, And no wonder that builders were not willing to put themselves out there at that type of risk. So, Randy, you mentioned House Bill 1923 included a variety of measures cities can take to increase housing. Sir, what what are some of those, Randy? So this is this is a tad bit wonky, but again, I want you to think about the fact that we need to accommodate about eight hundred and thirty thousand households mm-hmm. over the next thirty years. So we need to really be aggressive about thinking, you know, where we're going to put those units. Um, so so the House bill gave uh, kind of a laundry list, and I'll just I'll just touch on a few of them. Okay. One was. Um, upzoning residential units uh, to 50 units per acre uh, adjacent to train stations. So Mm. we're we're establishing a big network uh, with sound transit, uh, high density around train stations, upzoning to 25 units per acre around uh, um, bus stops that are are major bus stops, um, like the rapid ride system that Metro operates. Uh, You know, four or more stops per hour operating, you know, 12 hours per day. Um, Getting to a minimum uh, residential density of uh, six units per acre in residential zones. Uh, Adding duplexes, triplexes, an allowance for those products in residential zones. Mm -hmm. And... um, Authorizing accessory dwelling units uh, in all Which residential is huge. zones, yeah. um, and that's just uh, that's just kind of a first step. It had a long list, but those are some of the things that cities are able to contemplate now. Randy, many of the uh, measures you mentioned, like minimum zoning and duplexes on corner lots, uh, these would represent some pretty big changes for many cities. What do you think the uptake's going to be? Well. I, th- I think what we're seeing with that is a it's a reflection of the dire need for, for change. And I think we're going to see a range of responses to that. Uh, cities are going to be reluctant at first, but I think as they start looking at these tools, um, the tools are going to make more sense. There's rational. There's a, there's a rationale to them. The challenge is going to be certainly preserving neighborhood character while accommodating that growth. Here's the big risk is to the extent that there is major resistance to that growth, I think it's going to uh, preclude our ability to maintain neighborhood character because we're going to have we're going to be fighting over whether or not to grow. But we don't get that choice because you you, you just you can't build a wall and we don't want to let go of of our major employers that give us this this great economy. 
Yeah, growth is not an option at this point with all the employment going on. And we have unique geography here, too, surrounded by water. There's almost so much land. We don't have a choice but to get denser, right? Absolutely. And, and you have the, yeah, you have the geographic constraints. And then we made a choice to protect our rural and resource lands yeah. and, not, and try not to sprawl. So mm-hmm. we want to focus our growth in the urban areas. Yeah, it's hard mm-hmm. to have the best of both worlds. This <laughs> very too. So, Randy, what do you think about you know? Um, does this have some completion with the housing issues, or what's your what's your thought around that? I think it is. Um, I think the legislature, the state legislature, is going to continue to work on housing issues, and that is a good news, bad news thing. I think for mm-hmm. for some cities who have been reluctant to embrace the reality of growth. Um, uh, there could be some top-down mandates that mm-hmm. they're going to be uncomfortable with. Yeah. But the if you're a legislator, you're hearing a lot from your constituents about housing affordability, yeah. and, and they just don't have the option to let it go. They're going to have to work on it. Yeah. And, you know, housing affordability has always been something that's been a top conversation in in trying to manage around. But the lack of inventory and the lack of housing that we've had for so long to the extreme that we did, this was a first. So hopefully what we're learning in this time when we come up with some of these solutions is how to make sure that we don't run into this problem again down the road in the future. Well put. Yeah. Absolutely right. Randy, so I heard we've made some huge changes to uh, regulations regarding mother-in-law units or accessory dwelling. You mentioned it a few times previously. Can you uh, expand on that a little bit? Yeah. I think the most aggressive changes we've seen in the region have been in the city of Seattle. And uh, I'll I'll just give you a quick overview of what Seattle's adopted. They're now going to allow two units um, per lot. Uh, They're removing the off-street parking requirement. Uh, they're removing the owner occupancy requirement. That's huge. Um, so that means you could have three units, the principal house and two ADUs, and no owner occupant. Um, the The challenging part is that they are using floor area ratio to limit the size of new single family homes to encourage ADUs. Yeah. So they're exempting, um, you, you kind of get credits when you build ADU, and if you're just building a principal unit, um, you're going to be limited uh, to uh, to about 2,500 square feet, mm. which is which very interesting, very aggressive. Um, I'll just leave it there. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, you know, I'm really yeah. excited about it, but I don't live in proper Seattle. So plus I'm in the mortgage industry, so I really want to see this this change coming. So it's you know kind of interesting to hear how the conversation is going to go with people that are in uh, proper Seattle. So, Randy, do you expect other cities in the region to follow suit? Most cities in our region are looking at uh, adjusting their ADU regulations to make them easier to build. And I think, I feel like Seattle going to what is, you know, kind of the, the bleeding edge of the issue will um, will learn things. We'll get some best practices going on and other cities can employ those. Um, there are a lot of process issues with ADU in terms of regulations that yeah. could, if you could make it easy, the homeowner could take, uh, you know, uh, get some some um, financial assistance, do a refi, yeah. build an ADU, yes. get some income into that residence, going yeah. things like that. And I think it's it'll be easier if 
it's understandable from a regulatory perspective for the applicant. Of course. It's pretty cool. I mean, I see opportunity here for a lot of people, a huge opportunity for rental income and just less restraints. And I mean, if you look at the bright side of this, this is this is fantastic for our local uh, our local Seattle here. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a friend of mine, they've got uh, they've got kids newly married. Uh, the kids are going to take the principal residence. The parents are going to yeah. live in the ADU yeah. and nice. help with uh, take care of the grandkids yeah. that are coming. And it's a win-win. They're, they're snowbirds, so they're not there all the time, but they're there when it counts. We'll start having some multi-generation uh, yeah. properties, yes. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So um, I got to give you, I know you're so passionate about this, Randy. What is a, a call to action for individuals? How can, how can people and listeners just get involved to really expedite this process? I, I, we've, we've talked about this before, but it's really, I really encourage people to get engaged with their local communities and be a part of the solution on how our community is going to grow. Articulate what are those things you want in your community um, in terms of, of neighborhood commercial districts you can walk to and, and, and be supportive in inviting the right investors in to make projects that are, that are beautiful. And yeah. that add to your neighborhood. Somebody's got to get involved. So if you're listening to this show, and why not you, Randy? Thank you so much thanks for so coming much. in studio. Really Great appreciate to see you both. it. You <laughs> too. And coming up next on the Money Hour, catching yourself when thinking defensively. D Gupta of D Coaching, right here at 11:50 a.m. KKNW. After the short break. Are you a tech professional who wants to get your voice heard in meetings and events? Are you tired of being invisible or of people talking over you? Do you believe you have the talent to make more impact at work but don't know how or where to begin? Are you living on autopilot not knowing where your time has gone? Or do you want to make the best use of your time on this planet? To have a powerful voice in this world, you need to build up your communication skills and courage step by step. To live your life in a powerful way, you need to have crystal clear goals and work through problems along the way until you achieve those goals. D. Gupta of D. Coaching is an expert at unleashing your personal power and will coach you through a simple and easy to follow process that will build up your skills and courage. D. is passionate about firing people up to follow their dreams by walking them through her effective proprietary process of goal setting and follow through. This is D. from D. Coaching. To learn more about me, visit my website at speakpowerfullycoaching.com and follow the links to connect with me on social media. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, and co-host, Keelan Harvey, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. Welcome back to The Money Hour at 1150 AM, KKNW, the Saturday, September 7th show. I am your host, Tina Mitchell. And I'm your co-host, Keelan Harvey. We are your local mortgage experts. We are here to help you build a strong financial blueprint one week and one show at a time. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but we're here to connect you with the guests that we have on the show. Please call the show at one 855 411150 Again, that's one 855 
800-411-1150 or online at themoneyr.com. In studio right now, we have D Gupta of D Coaching, catching yourself when thinking defensively. D, it's always a pleasure to have you here and always excited to hear uh, your topic for the day. So thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. And a little bit about Dee. Dee is a part-time coach and a full-time rental property business owner who has done extensive study on emotional growth. Her perspective is that you are where you are choosing to be in life. Your financial status, your quality of life that you live, and your relationships with your friends, family, or your significant other, everything is either where you want it to be or where your belief level is of where you can be. The stage of personal growth you are at in each area of your life determines where you're at in that area. You cannot make more money than you believe that you can make. You cannot have a better relationship than you believe that you're capable of having, having, and your belief in your own worthiness in each area of your life sets the tone of where you are. D helps you break those ceilings. Love it, D. So awesome to have you back, and you always have something new to talk about, which is always a lot of fun. Um, tell it. What do you mean by catching yourself when thinking defensively? Um, I will explain by giving examples what I mean, but basically this talk is meant to help you get from a stage of not knowing what you don't know in terms of defensive thinking to getting to a stage of knowing that you don't know it so that you can start working towards it. So what I mean by defensive thinking is, um, for example, after being rejected from a job interview or if a client says no to you and you're trying to do some business with the client, have you ever felt defensive or thought they're never going to find somebody as good as me? Mm. Or if um, you're being rejected while dating or if somebody breaks up with you, if you're in a relationship, have you ever thought the same thing? This person has lost out on the best person ever and they'll never find somebody as good as me. So um, this is... Or, or thinking, I am much better than this person and I deserve better anyways. So this is what I call defensive thinking and that's what I'm here to talk about today. I love that because, and I love the examples that you give because I have to admit, I've said that before. I've said that in a relationship. I've <laughs> said that when a client hasn't worked with me. So um, I'm, I'm really excited to hear what this actually means because it can't be good things. So Dee, is there a difference between recognizing that you're better versus putting someone else down? And how do you tell the difference? Absolutely, there is a difference. So when you're feeling good about yourself, when you're confident, you don't need to think that the other person is not as good as you or Mm -hmm. they're never going to find somebody as good as you. That's basically putting almost a curse on the person or trying to. So the it doesn't matter to you in that case. Um, It doesn't affect you. So if if your happiness comes from thinking that the other person is not going to find somebody better than you and you later on find out that they did find somebody really good and they've worked out for example if you were in a relationship and you find somebody got married then you've given them your power by thinking that and um, you feel bad now because they have found somebody better but if you don't do that and you know that you will find something that is better for you 
Yeah. You don't have to say that the other person will not find somebody better than you, but you know that you will find something better. And that is taking the power to yourself because then you are focused on yourself and your path and you're comparing yourself to yourself and not um, having other people comparing you to other people. Like, yeah, it makes it make sense. Okay, I, I went a little windy there. So. <laughs> no, no. This is a little windy topic. Yeah, I just kept thinking it's like taking poison and expecting the other person to die, right? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, because you're well, you ingesting can, the poison. And that's so good because, I mean, you have to come from a place of compassion. And even when you think you're saying good words, you know that you're not saying good words because you can feel the emotion behind those words that you're saying or thinking. Right. Yeah. And that's Absolutely. when you know you need to rethink the conversation you're having with yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally aggressive. Like, I hope they just fail and this is terrible. <laughs> yeah, I can totally see how that could happen. That's good. Um, so you you spoke about stages of kind of taking action here. What are the different stages uh, to help yourself not get in this little trap here? So there are many stages of personal growth in terms of defensive thinking. So the first step, this first stage, and I think most of us are not at that stage, is wanting to actively hurt the other person. Like mm. this person did something to me or this client does not want me, so I'm going to go and key their car or whatever. I don't oh, know. No. Yeah, definitely none <laughs> of no, us here. No. No. <laughs> so that is the first stage. And then the next stage is when somebody hurts you, you speak about them and you use these words act like that I they're never going to find anybody better than me or they have lost out and they don't know what they're doing or whatever. I mean, just saying it angrily so and So speaking hurt, hurtfully but not with the intent to hurt. Right. Not with the actual action of the hurting action the other of hurt. person. Mm -hmm. Just speaking about it. And then the third stage is when you speak about it, you catch yourself speaking. No, well, you, you catch yourself speaking so you don't speak about it but you still think it. Mm. So the example that you were giving is like when you're speaking to someone and you're saying nice words but inside you're not really thinking those nice words. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that is um, the third Third stage. The fourth stage is you don't um, think when you catch yourself thinking, then you switch it around so you know that you're you're doing that and you're aware that you're you're thinking it and yeah. then you switch it around, but you still think it. And then the final stage is, of course, you never think it. <laughs> and of course, I'm still working through that as well. I've not reached all these five stages, but. Well, and you know, Dee, it's really interesting because I think getting to uh, stage stage five is is actually on an on a consistent basis is almost impossible because we are going to have negative thoughts, right? Because we are balanced in our our good and bad, but. I think you can maintain in stage four when right. you work hard. And I think that I've accomplished that for the most part. I catch myself when I'm saying something bad to myself or thinking about somebody else in a negative way. How can I come from a place of compassion? Right. And so um, let's talk about the best process to move up through those stages and to hopefully live in stage four, four right. and to aim to get to stage five because we all want to be perfect we want to aim to be perfect but Absolutely. the reality is we're never going to get to perfection right <laughs> right and we can go and closer okay. and closer to it and that's the, it's like as long as we're growing and going the right direction we're good mm -hmm. so like most things in personal growth the way is to monitor your self-thought and action so the first stage is to know which stage you're in and to acknowledge it and accept it. Yeah. And that's when you've gone from a stage of unconscious incompetence where you don't know that you don't know um, something. And then you've moved to the stage of conscious incompetence where you know now where you are and then you can start working on it. Yes.
So the specific steps to take would be to have a system. The only way to truly make things happen is to have a really good system around it and build a system around it. Um, I like using a jar system. So basically, I will keep a jar and a box of I don't know, red or red balls or something. And I will, every time I catch myself thinking this, I will put uh, one of the balls into the jar. And at the end of the day, depending on how far the jar is, and I will measure, just ballpark measure it, that it's half full or three quarters full or something. And I will just note it down. And every day I will empty it out and refill it the next day and just see that it's going off in the right direction. So that's one system. And then the other system is um, some people like to put a rubber band on their wrist. Mm -hmm. And anytime they think a negative thought, they will pull on the rubber band so that it hits, it slaps their wrist so it hurts them. So you're associating pain with that bad thought. And um, then the so you if you want to do pain and pleasure, then it's cheesy, I know, but they will <laughs> they will think good thoughts and then they'll kiss their the where it's yeah. painful. So that's another way to do it. So these are just some ideas and some systems that you can use to track and monitor because whatever gets tracked gets managed. Yeah. So um, these are some ways. And what also helps immensely is to send love and good wishes to whoever it is. So if that, that person or entity. So I wish this person does extremely well. I I give this person a lot of love. I give this client a lot of love and I hope they do extremely well. So you're just saying it over and over again to yourself will bring you to that level as and well. And I, I love it. The visual is so important and I don't know if the word silly is what you you used, but um, it's actually, it's, it's critically important that you can connect something visually or feeling and you know, uh, Dee, my personal motto is live your dream now and I wear my bracelet every day to remind myself. And what that means, it's about embracing every second of your day. It's not about having an extraordinary life. It's about embracing every second of the day. And through that process, you'll live an extraordinary life. And it reminds me that I need to be the best every second for myself so I can be my best self for others. And so having that, that, you know, I touch it. And typically when I'm touching it, it's because something is going through and I'm recognizing, okay, I need to center myself because what, and, and that, so I I love that you're bringing this in because it's so important, whether you've got the balls that you're doing in a jar and you dump them out every day and you're, you're, you're knowing and recognizing where you're at, or you've got a rubber band or a bracelet or something that can surface you and get you back to where you need to be. I love the bracelet idea. Yeah. Speaking of bracelet, I'm excited. I have a new, like it's elastic. So you could just smack Mm -hmm. every time that, (laughs) cause I'm good in some areas and I realize professionally you live in abundance. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not, if they go with somebody else, there's, you know, it's, you no, no big deal. It is what it yeah. is. I don't know. Traffic cut me off. I might get a little angry. Exactly. I don't know. And so I, I just Keelan slap makes me myself. feel very special because he wears my bracelet every day. So. <laughs> I do. It reminds yeah. me to live your dream now. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so um, just going on a tangent there. Um, what are the benefits of doing this, D? Uh, the benefits of doing this are mainly accepting and understanding that everyone has strengths and therefore if somebody else is doing well or not doing well or whatever, it doesn't take away your strength and it do- therefore it doesn't take away your power and your happiness is not dependent on anything that anybody else is doing at any point. Yeah, and it's so important. You you have to be focusing on yourself and you, you hear, be 
treat someone else like you want to be treated, but I think it's backwards. You really need to treat yourself like you would treat anyone else. Absolutely, yes. Because <laughs> it all is here first, because otherwise everything is surface. Right. If you're not real to yourself, you're not able to be real with others. So what else, how can you recognize in phrases and things that you can do to keep yourself in this best space, D? Well, um, I've heard all kinds of phrases, but for example, this person, uh, look at how pathetic this person's life is. He can't even manage his life. He can't even mm-hmm. do this. He can't even like, um, and if I was with that person, they would have definitely been so much better. Or this person doesn't get that they're wrong. <laughs> like that yeah. is that just never works because everyone believes that they're right and everybody's trying their best and everybody's doing their best. So making other people wrong or, um, well, yeah, that just never ever works or they will regret she will regret letting me go i'm such a good person compared to yeah. like whatever um so yeah all these basically are ego-based and defensive thinking yeah. and fear-based and if we get ourselves out of that then we take power ourselves yeah. all right d unfortunately we're running out of time here we got to wrap up but i would love for you to give any last advice to our listeners to improve their lives in you know in this uh taking the poison and hoping somebody else dies. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the advice that I would give is just be patient with yourself through this process. It can take some people weeks, some people months, some people years, some people decades to go through this. As long as you're moving in the right direction and like Tina said, you'll never be perfect. Mm -hmm. So as long as you're moving in the right direction and you see that you're the, you're moving towards stage five, whatever state, whatever stage you're in. You're good, and be patient with yourself, and just yeah. and keep working towards it. Love, Love that, Dee. You know, Dee, thank you so much for coming into studio, coming so prepared with great topics and bringing in great examples that people can connect to, to realize. I think the biggest thing is just not recognizing, realizing where you're at. And so you really brought us to that place here today. Thank you so much, Dee. Appreciate you so much. Thank you. Coming up next on The Money Hour, retirement strategies in a volatile market. We have Lisa York of Eagle Strategies and New York Life right here at 1150 AM, KKNW after the short break. Are you worried about your retirement and how the volatile market can impact you when you can retire? Lisa York with Eagle Strategies Wealth Management and New York Life has assisted individuals and families just like yourself in reaching their financial and retirement goals. Navigating the financial markets can be cumbersome and overwhelming. Lisa's approach in helping her clients is to educate, engage, and empower. Lisa York assists individuals just like yourself. Results driven, she goes that extra mile to make sure your goals are met. When the market is down, she will be right there with you to address any concerns and reevaluate your goals. Witnessing her clients go through the milestones of their lives and knowing she was there to listen, help, and adapt to their needs is one of the biggest rewards for her and the reason she loves what she does. Hi, this is Lisa York. To receive a complimentary financial review, call me at 206-799-8571. Visit my website at lisayouk.com. Are you a tech professional who wants to get your voice heard in meetings and events? Are you tired of being invisible or of people talking over you? Do you believe you have the talent to make more impact at work but don't know how or where to begin? Are you living on autopilot not knowing where your time has gone? Or do you want to make the best use of your time on this planet? To have a powerful voice in this world, you need to build up your communication skills and courage step by step. To live your life in a powerful way, you need to have crystal clear goals and work through problems along the way until you achieve those goals. 
Dee Gupta of Dee Coaching is an expert at unleashing your personal power and will coach you through a simple and easy to follow process that will build up your skills and courage. Dee is passionate about firing people up to follow their dreams by walking them through her effective proprietary process of goal setting and follow through. This is Dee from Dee Coaching. To learn more about me, visit my website at speakpowerfullycoaching.com and follow the links to connect with me on social media. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, and co-host, Keelan Harvey, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. Welcome back to The Money Hour on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, September 7th show. I am your host, Tina Mitchell. And I'm your co-host, Keelan Harvey. We bring in studio each week the best of the best in all areas regarding your financing. We're here to connect with the people that you need to connect with in today's economy. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but we're here to connect you with our guests that we have on the show today. Please call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's one 855 411150 or online at com. In studio for the first time, very excited to talk with Lisa York of Eagle Strategies in New York Life. Retirement strategies in a volatile market. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us the first time. Thank you for having me. And Lisa's approach to helping clients with investment and retirement strategies is to educate, engage, and empower. Lisa, I'm so excited to have you on the show. We've been friends for a long time. I uh, started my finance career at New York Life with retirement planning, and uh, it's so exciting to have you here. Who would have thought years later we'd be in a radio show studio together doing our thing? I know. That's exciting. Well, I'm glad to have you. Question right out of the gate that I'm sure every person wants to know, and that's uh, what investments should you have in your retirement account, such as a 401k or traditional IRA? What do you suggest? My suggestion is the key is having proper asset allocation, a mix of stock funds, bonds, and cash, and diversity of the different categories of fund classes. The overall portfolio should align with your risk tolerance and investment objectives. Well said, Lisa. And Lisa, I'm sure that you have seen people trying to invest in their own since there are so many online resources and things that they can utilize. And What would you say to somebody that's trying to do this all by themselves? You need a lot of time, and that's time for researching, and you need the bandwidth to understand and take in the information. It can be very overwhelming, and hey, if you have that time and the bandwidth to do it, by all means, go for it. If you don't have the time for it and are fee-sensitive, there are affordable advisors out there that you can seek. Yeah. And you also have to have the education. You have to know what you're talking about and how you're advising yourself to make these investments. Otherwise, it can be a huge disaster to your financial space. Definitely. And oftentimes I've seen a lot of mistakes that people will make Mm -hmm. unknowingly. Yes. And, And as long as you can find resources to help make those adjustments, then hopefully that will get you on the right track. 
You know, and I, New York Life, I love the company. It's super old, and there's a lot of history there. I mean, they've seen it all from start to finish, and with that history, their goal is to help their clients succeed becomes a lot of knowledge and tools mm-hmm. and resources that you guys that are— Yeah, you I want mean, old when it comes to investing and, your money. Yeah, we've seen this before. I mean, <laughs> yes. you know, it's a cycle, right? Mm-hmm. So um, they've been through it multiple times through the cycles, and they know it works at the end of the day. So, um, you know, it's a fantastic company. And um, question for you, Lisa, what about percentages of your annual income? Everybody, I always get questions about people, um, you know, what should I invest? Where should I start? How much money do I need to put away? You know, is this enough type thing? What is your response to that? Sure. So it depends on what kind of lifestyle you want for your retirement. The old standard was saving 10 to 15% of your income towards retirement savings. Many employers these days do not offer pensions. So the standard percentage to consider is 25 to 30 percent of your annual income. Yeah, and that's a really good point because doing mortgages, as Keelan and I do, I very rarely ever see pension income um, coming in in, unless it's coming from like uh, education or the union. And so really important to make adjustments in time with how things are adjusting. So Lisa, what about the best time to invest? I'm sure that's a common question that you get from clients. When is the best time to invest? The key is being in the market. It is very difficult to time the market. Even if you're a day trader and you study the market, you study the trends, and you do a lot of research, even doing that is not enough. So it's just best to have your money in the market, and you can start with small intervals, and that's dollar cost averaging. It's having a set amount of intervals that goes into whether it's a retirement plan sponsored by your employer, Mm -hmm. or you're doing this on your own. It's the key is just to have that set amount going into the market, uh, maybe twice a month or once a month. And that way, you will be able to buy in at a low point. Um, Sometimes it'll be at high, but Mm -hmm. that cycle will vary. And the key is just being in the market. Yeah, I love that. To be in the market, stay in the market, always be in the market. Kind of like Keelan mentioned in the money chat, you can't predict where the interest rates are going to go, and you can't predict where the stock market is going to go. Set it and forget it. That's what you got to do. That's right. Forget it. I love that. Set it and forget it. And if you, I mean, if you were to stare at your stock portfolio, you'd probably have a heart attack eventually, like (laughs) a panic attack, because, I mean, on a daily basis, it goes up, it goes down, it's this thing. So diversification is a a fantastic term. So um, when I talk to people about, I mean, even on the mortgage side now, you know, the number one plan we see as far as retirement is 401ks. That tax-deferred plan is so popular. Mm -hmm. And... um, I'm not the biggest fan. You're not allowed to say that, but I can um, for multiple reasons, which we won't get into now. But um, what are your thoughts on putting all your savings in a tax-deferred platform? Sure. So tax deferral is one way to save for retirement, especially when your employer offers matching dollars. Mm. When they offer that opportunity, take advantage of the free money and contribute to receive at least the matching dollars. Mm -hmm. Outside of the employer-sponsored plans, considered either a Roth IRA, Roth-like plan, or after-tax investments. And the reason why is when you are actually in retirement, you can draw from different tax buckets. Mm -hmm. It's all about diversity of taxation of your investments as well. 
Yeah, and in, in diversify, diversity, we'll say that a few times, is really critically <laughs> important. And just know that it, you're not paying taxes now, you're going to pay taxes later. And the question is, how much taxes you're going to pay later, later, where are those going to be? So Lisa, what if you retire in a bear or a down market? Should you delay your retirement? What I suggest is taking a step back and looking at your overall picture. You may need to delay retirement until your investments are back at healthy levels Mm -hmm. or live on a reduced amount of your income for retirement. So when this is, it's, and it's really important to talk about retirement and and think about your options five to 10 years um, towards the freedom line. And you might consider working with a financial advisor at that point. So one of the things I hear, I mean, a lot of people are fearful, Lisa, right? Because, I mean, that, I mean, 2008 is a prime example, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's like, oh, I'm going to lose my money. There's some fear towards mm-hmm. investing. And that's usually just lack of education, um, which call Lisa. She can educate you all about that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, how can you protect, for those people that are really concerned, how can you rep- protect your retirement savings and investments? You'll want to look at the overall picture of what happens when you are in retirement. So you you think about aging. People are living so much longer these days. So you'll need to plan for longevity, Mm -hmm. plan to live a long life, especially if you have that in your gene pool. Plan for health care costs and Mm long-term care events. A lot of individuals forget about paying for that if you need in-home care or go to assisted living or a nursing home. It, it can be a little depressing, but it's part of the whole retirement and planning picture. It, it can be very expensive if you don't plan ahead. And plan for inflation. Right now, inflation hovers between 1.9% to 1.98. Mm-hmm. Historically, inflation has been 3 to 3.5%. So that's something to consider as well. And also position some of your portfolio for growth while you're in retirement. You don't have to have a big chunk of it like you did when you were younger, maybe have 20% or 30%. It really just depends on your risk tolerance. Then also consider what's going to be my withdrawal rate of my investments in retirement. How much, what's that percentage going to be? Can I do uh, 5%? Can I do 3 or 4 So it just depends on your retirement lifestyle and what you want to achieve. Yeah. And, you know, if you're a daughter or son, uh, listen to this today because I'm a daughter and and my husband is a son. Thank goodness that his mother has long-term care. And I wish as a daughter, I would have purchased long-term care for my mother because she didn't have the resources to do anything extra, but I could have done it. And so we're definitely having that conversation now of what it's going to look like as she continues to age. So, so important. Uh, Lisa, are there certain investments that you should avoid in in a volatile market? Well, if you are planning to retire this year or in a year or two, I would definitely avoid investments as like small cap funds and emerging markets and junk bonds because junk bonds are tied to credit rating. There's there's higher returns in junk bonds, but there's that volatility because if they can't make the debt obligations, then they lose value. Such good information, Lisa. I'm just yeah. I'm loving this. Uh, mm-hmm. What happens if your investments drop over 15% while you're kind of in that retirement phase? It's pretty scary. Should you sell your positions or where do you go from there? 
this can be a stressful time. How do you manage your emotions when you experience this? You may want to consider rebalancing your portfolio to a more conservative allocation and look for funds that consistently provide income with dividends. So these will be companies that are well-known household brand names and are strong companies. You know they'll be around for a long time. Yeah, so, and uh, great advice, Lisa. So, Lisa, when you do retire, what percentage of your portfolio assets should s- you still leave in the market? It depends on what your risk tolerance is at that time and your investment objective. You know, I, I actually have some clients who are in their 70s, and they have very aggressive portfolios. They have 75% in stock holdings still. Wow. Um, so it just depends on what how you feel. And that's a good time to speak to an advisor and get their suggestions on what to do. Yeah. So, Lisa, as we wrap up our time here with you, I would love to know, you know, why you love what you do, why you're passionate about helping people with their their finances. What brought you to this industry? Well, by accident. But but before I came, I did work with my own advisor, and I absolutely adored him. I just didn't feel like he did a good job of breaking things down. And I was Uh very immature as well. So because I've been in, in that seat before, I feel like I do a great job of breaking things down and simplifying the investment and savings language. Yeah. So, and I just love helping people in general. It doesn't matter whether I was a barista at Starbucks Uh or when I used to be an architect, I just love interacting with people and seeing how I can be a resource for them. Love that. Well, if you're uh, listening to the show and you want to connect with Lisa or any of the guests that we had on the show today, please call the show at one 855 411 Again, that's one 855 411 or online at themoneyr.com. Lisa, thank you again for coming in and joining us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And this is your host, Tina Mitchell. And your co-host, Keelan Harvey. We are signing off for the day, but rest assured, we will be back same time, same place next weekend, right here at 1150 AM, KKNW. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, and Keelan Harvey, MLO 133075, are licensed loan originators with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, and MLS 7233. The views expressed by the speakers on the preceding program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC.